So this was the first time I'd ever had a pizza where it really is like all about the dough, the flavor of the dough, the consistency. Um, I think for people who have never experienced this before, while it is thick, it looks extremely large and overwhelming. It eats really light. A traditional Sicilian slab is unique to a certain corner of Portland, Maine, and there's one business carrying on a decades-old tradition among the countless lobster shacks. If you think it looks too heavy to eat, just wait until you take a bite. The story behind slab Sicilian street food, straight ahead. I need a deep dish sausage and a thin pepperoni for here. This is Pizza City, the podcast dedicated to the art, craft, and passion behind some of the world's greatest pizzas. I'm Steve Dolinsky, author of Pizza City USA and founder of Pizza City USA Tours in Chicago. And welcome, everybody. Great to have you along with us for another week of pizza here. Uh, we are moving to the far eastern corner of the United States this week in Portland, Maine. I told people I was going to Portland, and they were like, be careful with the fires. And I'm like, nope, the other Portland. Uh, we're beginning an occasional series of shows from that region over the next couple of months, probably every other show. Uh, saw a lot of pizza out there. Artisan, uh, long fermented doughs, some in deck ovens, some gas fired. Uh, didn't have time to check out a couple that I was kind of bummed about. One is called Radici, which is doing an artisan uh, natural fermentation dough. Um, I think it's over It's over near Washington Avenue. I was kind of walking through like uh, um, Oxbow Brewery, and then I went over to the Portland Oyster Company, and I saw Radici, and that looked really good. And then Cole's doing a grilled pizza a la the style in at El Forno in Providence, Rhode Island. So definitely want to check out those two. But I did get to several others. I think I've got three or four coming up. But today is really a result of reaching out to Scott Wiener at Scott's Pizza Tours in New York about places to try. Actually, and also Arthur Bovino, NYC Best Pizza. By the way, can we talk for a second, just really briefly, about the Daily Meals, 101 Best Pizzas? Arthur typically does that. He edits that. He started it. Um, he had this really sort of sad, long post about why he was no longer working with them. Um, I think life gets in the way. And uh, somebody else took over that list this year, and they relied a lot on Yelp. So I put very little faith in the 101 Best Pizzas in America. Uh, that Daily Meal just published a, a week or so ago. Um, so just FYI, not it's not the same people behind it. Okay, reached out to Scott and Arthur about places to try in Portland. Um, they recommended Slab. It was featured on Scott's web series with Mark Iacono from Lucali called Really Dough. Uh, he also mentioned Otto, which I went to, and that'll be on a future show. But I sat down with uh, owners Emily Kingsbury and Chris Bassett from Slab. Boy, Emily, what a great story. Um, she's been in the restaurant business her entire life. Uh, she talked about, you know, at 12 years old, picking lobster meat with her grandma. So she's really been around it her, her whole life. Um, and I was excited to talk to our first female guest on the show. God, there are lots of dudes in the pizza business. Uh, she handles the business side. Chris works on the dough with uh, their partner, Stephen Lanzalota who defers all media requests to them because um, he... <laughs> kind of a long story. He worked at a famous place called Micucci Grocery, an old Italian place, and left, I maybe not on great terms, and so there's a little bit of bad blood there. But Stephen is back in the kitchen. He's there every day. I saw him take out an eight-pound sheet of uh, pan of pizza while I was there. 
So Emily takes the first part of the segment today. Chris is featured on the second half, and we started with Emily asking her, as I ask all of our guests, to tell me about her first pizza memory. There's a pizza place in, I grew up in Georgetown, Maine, which is an island about an hour north of Portland. Um, The little town there is Bath, and there's a pizza place called The Cabin. It's across the street from um, Bath Ironworks, which is shipbuilding, the shipbuilding for the Navy. It was like thin, very thin crust, kind of greasy, absolutely delicious. Cut into wedges or squares? Wedges, yeah. Just very traditional, big round pizzas cut into big slices. So my grandparents owned, being in Maine, there's lots of seafood restaurants. My grandparents owned restaurants when I was growing up. Um, they owned a, a diner in Bath, and then they opened, or they bought an existing uh, seafood restaurant and guest house on Popham Beach, um, and they did very traditional Maine seafood, uh, fried clams and lobster rolls and steamed lobsters. They had a lobster tank in the restaurant. So that was my first job. I started um, on takeout counter when I was 12. Um, really early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've worked in the restaurant industry, literally gotten a paycheck from the restaurant industry since I was 12 years old, I think, straight without any sort of break. I used to sit in the kitchen in the mornings with my grandmother and pick lobster meat for the day for lobster rolls and lobster stew. Okay, so you grew up in the restaurant business. Yeah. Um, and then what, you go to school or what? Yeah, I went to Ithaca College in New York for applied psychology, minor in law and business. Thought I was going to go to law school. Um, decided after I graduated I really didn't want to go to law school. Um, I put myself through college waiting tables. I worked at a sports bar. I worked at a wing joint in Portland when I graduated college. Um, And all this time probably eating marginal pizza. Yeah, pretty marginal pizza. Actually, this is around the first time that I discovered the type of pizza that we do here. Um, Cooked by Steven, who is my business partner at a place called Macucci's on India Street in Portland. Very well known. It's an old Italian grocery store. I walked in there the other day. There's a window in the back. You can get slices from like 11 to 2. Um, So what was this style of pizza that you encountered there? Um, It was unlike anything I'd had before because it was was very, very thick. Um, It was a very, very doughy pizza, um, very reminiscent of bread. and it was just, yeah, it was just cheese. It was a thick, doughy pizza with a sweeter red sauce and cheese, and it was absolutely delicious. And then I moved away. I moved out to the West Coast for about five years, in 2008 to 2013. Um, I worked at a couple different breweries um, before I moved back. When I moved back to Maine, I helped open a brewery in town here in Portland. And I'd been back a couple months when I got the offer to partner to do this. Steve uh, was leaving? Or? Steve was leaving. Steven was leaving Macucci's. And he had been there for a long time, been right? Been there a very, very long time. And the pizza, he had a huge following. Um, he'd had a few restaurants prior to Macucci's. So he was leaving Macucci's. It was actually like in the paper and on the news. There was kind of a fallout between him and the owner. So it was very well known in this very small industry town. So a friend of mine who um, owns Nosh up the street, his name's Jason Loring, he had chatted with Steven and just to be like, hey man, like I love your product, I'd love to do something with you. And Steven, I think, met him and met his partners and kind of thought about it and weighed his options and said yes. And so once they partnered, they came to me and asked me if I would run the place. 
So is this style, this, this hadn't really existed elsewhere in Portland or in New England. I mean, you talk about this slab, this sort of Sicilian giant slice. I'm looking at a, it's a one pound square. It's, hefty, yeah. it's very hefty. You can get up to an eight pound tray for like 70 bucks or something. But had this existed elsewhere? This was a, this was no. a specific place, specific thing to Micucci. Yes, it was specific. It was really specific to Stephen. Stephen started doing it at Micucci's. Um, it was it's not I don't know of any place else in New England that does anything like it. You felt like you could carry on this tradition, carry the torch, if you will, for all the fans of Macucci's, yeah. but do it in a new location. And where are we? Um, this used to be the Portland Public Market. Um, the Public Market, I think, closed in 2006. When the market closed, they leased out the majority of the building, but they never leased this corner. This corner was empty up until we leased it in 2000, the lease in 2013. Two types of pizza here. You do a thin now as well, but that was something you created after you opened slab. Right. Yeah, we opened slab with just this, just the thick crust, the slab style pizza. Um, That's what you call it, slab style. Yeah, we call it the slab. Like the piece that you're eating right now is called a hand slab. It's the we kind of refers to the yeah. That's how we refer to the pizza as slab. It's almost like it reminds me of a focaccia, and I'm going to talk to your business partner in our next segment about this. But lots of oil in the dough, uh, quite a bit of yeast because it rises pretty quickly. Yeah, it's definitely a quick dough. He's a better person to talk to about that. I, uh, while I have tried, have attempted to make the dough, it is not my specialty here. <laughs> I keep the place running, but I don't necessarily sling the pizza. <laughs> How would you describe the, the the experience of eating? I guess sort of seeing it and eating it and, and experiencing it. Take us back to your 22 year old self when you first experienced it. What is it like for a newcomer, or what do you? How do you try to explain this pizza experience to somebody not from Portland? I mean, I think it's really all about the dough, which I I never really thought, I guess as a 22-year-old with very limited pizza knowledge <laughs> at the time, um, it, I didn't, I, pizza usually for me was all about the toppings. It was like, you know, in college when I'd had a couple too many to drink, I'd get some pasta covered pizza, you know? And so this was the first time I'd ever had a pizza where it really is like all about the dough, the flavor of the dough, the consistency. Um, I think for people who have never experienced this before, while it is thick, it looks extremely large and overwhelming. It eats really light, which it kind of melts in your mouth, which is not what you're expecting at all when you look at this. Um, Do people insist on getting an edge piece? No, actually, you definitely have your middle middle people and your crust people, um, and some people get a little heated about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I prefer an edge piece because I like the crust. I like to, you know, I, that's my favorite part about it. Um, yeah, there's two types of people, middle and, and corner for sure. I was saying to your partner earlier, the way this eats, the experience of it, is sort of like what uh, John Arena told me years ago, uh, not that long ago, in, in, God, it seems like years ago though with COVID, um, in uh, Las Vegas at Metro, it looks like a brick and it eats like a feather. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's wonderful. Um, I'm going to steal that and use that here in the future when I have to describe this to people. Um, it is difficult to, it is difficult to describe. It's always something that I go over when I'm training new, new staff members is how to tell somebody and how to maybe deter them. It's the first place I've ever worked where uh, you actually deter people from ordering more food. It's, it's a lot of food, but it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't put you under a bus. It doesn't put you under a bus, right. right. Well, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Emily's business partner about the minutiae, all the details of this pizza, how it's made, how it gets put together. It is quite fascinating uh, when we come back. Plus, we're going to preview some scenes uh, from our next show coming up in two weeks. So stay with us.
So if you've been following us on Instagram at Pizza City USA, you have noticed a lot of experimenting recently in my kitchen talking about sort of a Chicago-style Sicilian pan pizza. I'm using a lot of cheese just to cover the base layer of dough. And I know selecting a cheese that'll perform the way your pizzeria needs to is one of the most important elements to pizza making. Now, Baccio cheese is an exceptional Italian pizza cheese made with a secret, a kiss of buffalo milk, just a kiss. Made with high-quality, grade-A milk, it goes from cow to cheese in just 48 hours. It melts and reheats beautifully and stretches and pulls to give you those insta-worthy cheese pulls. Now, I've been getting some really good results from this pan pizza. Um, I bake bake the dough three times, uh, once naked, once with toppings, and then a final time just to kind of caramelize the undercarriage. And I've been noticing some places recently in Chicago, like Crushed on the northwest side, also using Baccio. And Baccio melts smoother, and it's like creamier. We're using whole milk just because of the flavor. We feel like it's a richer flavor. It doesn't brown. It stays creamy. It's a great cheese. Yeah, Baccio's got the right amount of creamy richness you're going to find in the best Italian melting cheeses. They guarantee quality and offer cash back for every pound of cheese you buy with their Baccio Gold Club program. So here's the deal, Pizza Pros. Schedule a demo to try Baccio cheese today at no cost. Just go to BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA. That's BaccioCheese.com slash PizzaCityUSA to learn more about your new pizza cheese. Welcome back to the show. We are at Slab Sicilian Pizza here in downtown Portland on the old Portland Public Market. And it's really, it's a five, ten minute walk from the kind of busy tourist area in the old port where I was staying. Uh, Chris Bassett is here now, business partner with Emily Kingsbury at Slab. Chris, I guess you're the guy that actually knows how to make this pizza. Yeah, that's what I do every day, mixing dough by hand. Oh, by hand? Yeah, I don't know if you caught that part. Yeah, it's uh, it's the only bakery I've ever been in where we do 100% hand mixing in all our doughs. We don't even have any electric mixers back there. Does that allow you to bring more air into the finished product? It definitely puts a little more love into the finished product, you know? It's like handmade products just seem to come out better, you know? A little more extra attention to it. But in essence for us, it's low and slow mixing uh if you want a really like glossy translucent looking dough uh the trick is to really mix it less under mix and i go really slow with it so we kind of took that to an extreme where we have an hour and a half long mixing process moisten the flour it's very high hydration uh like 80 to 84 percent hydration wow that's a lot and you're also i saw the bags in front so king arthur unbleached unbromated yeah uh, special patent flour is the the mix that we like best it's got the best protein versus uh acidity mix to it we just put the water in there and we let it soak in and then we let it sit for 10 minutes and then we come back and turn it six or seven times and let it sit for another 15 minutes and then we just let it sit again uh we do that every 15 minutes for an hour and a half and and by the way instant dry yeast and sugar yep and uh olive oil water flour, a little semolina as well. Uh, we use a, a coarse ground sea salt, which in my mind, as a baker, I've always known to add your salt later in the mix so it doesn't kill the yeast right off the bat. And I, I see the big crunchy chunks of salt as almost like time-release salt. Once it's in there and it's releasing, you get a big salty dough, but it doesn't kill all the yeast right away because it kind of time-releases over. And are these things that you worked on with Steve, or that Steve had already done all the R&D before you guys started opening up Slab here? Yeah, the dough was 100% Steve, and he actually started it before Makuchi's, before his own bakery. He was uh, 
think he lived in like a little hippie commune in, in Maine and built his own log cabin and his own underground oven out of clay and didn't have skills to trade with the other hippies in the commune kind of thing. So he was like, I could bake bread. So he started making bread and trading it. And that's where this dough recipe really came from was what could he do with his two hands by himself in the woods. You're not doing an overnight proof. You're not retarding it in the refrigerator either. No, it goes straight to the bench, uh, portioned, and starts stretching it out to a sheet pan size. Just dimpling it and then letting it rest and kind of relax, and then we can get a little bit larger and a little bit larger until we can get it to fit in a full sheet pan. And yeah, there is no rolling pin situation. It's very delicate, right? You want to keep the air going. Yeah, and you really can't even pick it up or compress it at all. You're going to pop all those good bubbles that you've got going on in there because it's such a quick uh, rise. We don't have much time to let it develop again. We, we need to get it right in the pan and bake it off. And is the pan oiled or Crisco'd or anything first? Yeah, olive oil on uh, okay. the bottom of the pan. So it, it, And we do a high heat straight through the bottom of the pan so it does get that crispiness on the base. But the, the dough is so thick that we have to make sure that it gets cooked before the cheese starts browning and stuff. So that's that through the bottom bake. So I want to ask you about this because there is, I don't know if there's some debate about this or not, but when people talk about grandma style in New York versus Sicilian, grandma typically is you top it um, and you bake it the same day. Sicilian typically is you might bake the crust, bake the dough naked, and then you'll top it and bake it, and then you'll bake it a third time when the slice order comes in. So where do you guys fit in that scheme of things? A little bit in between there, yeah, because we do have, we have to pre-make it since it takes us three hours to make one pizza. We can't do special toppings on it. We just have special. We just have a, a menu of ingredients that we have on a few different flavors, uh, and then we warm it up in the oven again right before it goes out. So it's a little cross between both. Are you putting? Are you baking the the dough first no. naked? Or are you actually topping it and then baking it together first time yeah. altogether? So like grandma, we top it all, we bake it off all as one, but then we let it rest and heat it up one more time before it goes out. So. And that gives you that crispy bottom because it's hitting, well, it's not directly on the stone hearth, but it is in that sheet pan on the stone, which is already preheated and, and holds heat and transfers heat well because it's stone. Yeah, yeah, it holds that heat and, and doesn't cool off very easily, so the heat continues through it till it's baked through. Okay, because it's really only a 15-minute bake total. Can you talk about cheese or sauce, uh, types yeah. or names or anything? Uh, cheese is a 50-50 blend of uh, sharp provolone and mozzarella. Uh, other than that, we just really, the, the sauce is sweet, uh, and then we add salt as a topping on it. So you get lots of sweet, tasty sauce with garlic in it, but then you get punches of salt throughout the pizza as well while you're eating it. So. Any brand you want to mention, like Stanislaus or any other? Yeah, Stanislaus 7-Elevens for the tomato base, and uh, uh, Grande 50-50 blend is what we're using for cheese. Everybody's, I talked to the guy from uh, Otto yesterday, they're all Grande as well. Yeah, I just did a big tasting of several different cheeses against the grande and I couldn't find anything compared. Everything else was mild and, and just bland compared to the grande mix. What about the, the pepperoni? Sliced pretty thin and a little bit larger than I'm used to seeing in the Midwest. Yeah, we do use a couple of different kinds of pepperonis here. Uh, on our thin crusts, we do thicker sliced cup and char style. Iso or Rosa Grande? Uh, it's Rosa Grande. Uh, this is the margarita and I like it better on the Sicilian style because it's such a light, crispy pizza that the thinner, sliced, crispy pepperonis work better than the meaty, chunky ones. You'd have to put a lot of cup and char pepperonis on this slice too because it's so large. God, it must be, what, how, eight inches by eight inches? I mean, it's, it's a large slice. Yeah, it is. It's, it is eight inches by eight inches. It's a, 
you know, they weigh over a pound a piece without toppings. So this one with pepperoni on it would even weigh more. And then the edge, you've got a little bit of a cheese sprinkle, looks like. There's a little bit of a, a treat to having the naked uh, cornichon. Yeah, we like things to be dark and and rich and flavorful so the burned cheese on the crust just adds that extra little cheesy bread kind of texture to it but i also like some of the bread not to have that cheese on it so you get this kind of mix of dinner roll pieces and crusty cheesy bread but you're never going to get into that sort of detroit style or chicago deep pan with the caramelized cheese sort of carbonized on the outside yeah it really doesn't come across like that crispy oil fried dough it, it comes across a lot lighter than that there's there's a lot of oil in the dough as well so it does come across buttery but not crispy and oily and your options are just a few right there's cheese there's pepperoni and maybe a vegetarian yeah we do a vegan slice with a tapioca made cheese on there with a, a sicilian style pesto uh it's even got like a little cumin and stuff and it's strange pesto uh, and garlic sauce and roasted tomatoes and we do a mushroom style uh, spicy meat we wanted to do different sauces for the different flavors so the mushroom and onion has a caponata eggplant and olives for the sauce and the spicy meat which was the original pepperoni we had uh, has a red pepper like a spicy red pepper sauce underneath the pepperoni and big pepperoncini stuck in the top of it now i did see on your topping list for your thins in addition to potato which i gotta ask you about in a second um anchovy which mm-hmm. i would think being an old school guy and an old school slice and a guy like steve back in the kitchen that you do like a sfinchon with just anchovies is that an option ever we have a, a sfinchoni on the menu right now that's uh, served as an appetizer has smoked anchovies in the sauce and and uh carrots and onions like in the tomato sauce but we do get requests for thin crusts with the smoked anchovies on but we don't just do just whole anchovies on any other pizzas unless it's special requested i put anchovy paste into my tomato sauce when i make them at home which is a, a secret i got from frank Pinello at best pizza in williamsburg um okay so what do I, what's with the pep with the potatoes i've seen mashed potatoes at auto i've seen potatoes um like in new haven at bar pizza they do a lot of mashed potatoes of course potatoes are in every cup of chowder in this town um potatoes are in the donuts at uh, the, the holy donut what is with potatoes in portland are we if you're not from around Maine, you may think Maine's only known for blueberries, but we grow way more potatoes than blueberries here, honestly. Yeah, we're really a big potato farming state. There are no child labor laws for potato farms, so <laughs> toddlers can go out there and pick potatoes as children up there and stuff. That's because there's not enough workforce. <laughs> they actually close school for potato harvest, and all the kids can go out and harvest potatoes. Thank you for answering my question. Now I know. Okay, final question. We ask everybody in the show. This is for both the toss-up here, for I guess for both Chris and Emily. Um, we typically would ask you, Knowing what you know now about pizza, what would you tell yourself, you know, a year before you opened up your joint about opening a pizza place? But I want to add to that and say, knowing what you know now and also in the era of COVID, what would you tell yourself about opening a pizza place in the era of COVID? I mean, first of all, pizza places have done very well because you can do a lot of takeout and delivery. Uh, but what would you tell your, what would advice would you give your younger self? Takeout was needed and we already had a, a good takeout business. Uh, everything we served in-house was on uh, disposable wares, single service paper boats and things like that. So because we composted everything coming back from the tables in the past. Uh, so it was easy for us. We were kind of, I actually thanked myself for getting into the pizza business right before this happened, honestly. And you, Emily? Yeah, we did stay open the whole time just yeah. doing takeout. It was a very easy transition. Um, mine it doesn't have anything to do with um, COVID, but if I was building another slab or if I was doing this over again, I would keep in mind how much flour in the air 
really affects everything. When we first opened, we had a air chilled ice machine that lasted about a week um, before we had to go to water cooled. Um, all the, I blast out all the bar drains and floor drains once a month because all of the flour in the air like gums them up. Um, I would have done wood colored trim instead of black <laughs> because it's covered in flour all the time. Um, being, you know, everything being hand mixed and the amount of flour that's in the air here it definitely gets very dusty very quickly. Boy, in a year and a half plus of doing this show, the first time someone's given that advice, which is great advice makes so much sense yeah. because there's flour is part of every day. I've worked in restaurants my whole life. I've never dealt with flour like this. And yeah, I, I know now, but <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the restaurant again is called Slab Sicilian. It's here in uh, downtown Portland in the old Portland public market. Um, definitely save some room in your stomach for this one. It's a big slice uh, or just bring bring the gang. Emily Kingsbury, uh, Chris Bassett. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Good to meet you. And great advice there about how she set up the restaurant based on all the flour in the air. That is something I've never heard before. Um, good advice for folks thinking about opening their own place. All right, coming up in two weeks, the pride of Milwaukee, and I'm not talking about the Bucks star forward from Greece. Well, you come in here some nights, there's guys talking, and literally, there's millionaires talking to guys, you know, aren't employed. This area is a really great area. Pizza is sort of the ultimate leveler. Yeah, I would say so. People come here for pizza. They don't come here for drinking. We visit the legendary Zafiro's, where square-cut bar pies rule. That's in two weeks on October 9th. Remember to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and rate us, please. I would love to know what you like or dislike about the show. Always trying to improve it. We are at Pizza City USA on Instagram. Our website is pizzacityusa.com. We're back up and running our weekly tours, four every weekend, uh, three by foot, one by bus through the end of October. You can check them out at pizzacityusa.com. Bureaucratic wrote and performed our theme song. And just a reminder, stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Keep social distancing. Please, please keep ordering pizzas. Uh, Keep your favorites afloat during the pandemic. Thanks for listening, as always. And here is wishing you an optimal bite ratio, always. Always.